Hey there, it's Frank Buckley. Today it's a conversation with the founder of a company, a CEO, who shocked the business world in 2015 when he did something radical. He took a massive pay cut and gave it to his employees in the form of a huge raise. Dan Price is the founder and CEO of Gravity Payments, a credit card processing and technology company, and he decided five years ago that many of his employees weren't making enough money to live a proper life. They weren't making a living wage. So he set a new minimum wage for the employees at Gravity Payments. Everyone now makes at least $70,000 a year. Until then, Dan did what most other CEOs and business owners do. He paid market rates, even if it meant his employees were struggling to survive, while he reaped a million-dollar-a-year salary. To many in the business world, Dan was committing business heresy, going against the widely accepted philosophy that a CEO's role in life is to maximize shareholder value. So how did it work out? Dan writes about it in his new book, Worth It, How a Million-Dollar Pay Cut and a $70,000 Minimum Wage Revealed a Better Way of Doing Business. Dan has surfer dude looks with long hair and a beard. He's a young guy in his 30s with a perpetual smile on his face. And at first glance, some might dismiss him as a starry-eyed idealist who's a little too kumbaya to be real. But make no mistake, Dan's a lifelong entrepreneur who's also about doing business and making money. He just wants to do it with some humanity, as you're about to find out. Here's my conversation with Dan Price. Dan, welcome and congratulations on what you did for the the folks who you work with. Uh, And I want to get into how it all worked out uh, five years later, because now we're in 2020, and what your thoughts are on whether or not uh, what you did for your company will work for others. But first, let's go back to where this idea came from. I want to talk to you about two people, Valerie and Haley, who seemed to really drive this idea. First, who was Valerie? So Valerie is uh, an 11-year veteran from the U.S. military. She's from a small town in Texas. And, you know, like all of us, she's a human being. She's not a perfect person. Um, but she is a really wonderful person. She dedicated her life to her country, her education, to improving herself. And she's somebody who works really hard. She was working 50, 60 hours a week to make $40,000 a year. And she's somebody I really cared about. She was my hiking partner. And her and I were on a hike. And she was telling me, after her and I going through her expenses and looking at everything and trying to figure out if there was some way that she could create a more financially stable life for herself, her and I were on a hike when she gave me some horrible news, which was that a $200 rent increase was throwing upside down her entire apple cart that she had finally gotten together. And that was so upsetting to me. And I was so angry at the system. I was angry at her boss. I was angry at everybody I could think of. And then I realized an inconvenient truth, which was a third of the people working at my company, Gravity Payments, were making less than Valerie was making. But even before that, you sort of made a judgment about your friend. You thought if, if she must be having, she must not be good at budgeting or that seems like enough money. I pay my employees that kind of money. How can she not make it? And you dove into the numbers and realized that that's not enough to make it. 
Yeah, you know, like I said, she wasn't perfect in the sense that she had some debts that she had accumulated like most people. And, and, you know, she had her kind of regular life challenges, but no more than your typical person out there. And so it just struck me as so wrong that somebody so intelligent, so hardworking, so worthy in terms of values and where she had spent her time. She had done two tours in the Iraqi war. She had been stationed in Germany for several years. You know, no matter what side of things you're on, this is somebody who's extremely dedicated, working very hard, taking a second job, working as a manager at a high-end local spa. You know, it just seems like, of course, this woman deserves to have enough money to live her life, you know, stress-free. Yeah. And then I want to ask you about uh, another person, Haley, who was uh, an employee at your company, who I I believe you ran into in, in the parking lot. And Haley said what? Said, you're not paying me enough, uh, to put it bluntly. Um, you know, I want to see my, uh, my nephew. I want to be able to take care of myself. I want to be a good example and a good, you know, member of society in every way. And here I am working so hard, doing everything I can to build this company. And yet you at the top, the CEO, are making these decisions where you're not paying me enough to just live a normal life. But you were doing what most CEOs do and sort of the fundamental, some of the fundamentals of business. You pay market rates for salary. You pay as little as you can get away with. And you are productive. And that's how we sort of rate CEOs and, and, and business efficiency. But you decided that that wasn't the way you were going to be. What sort of made you pivot and think, you know what, maybe Haley's right? Well, I had bought into all the business propaganda that we're fed all the time, and I could rightly say, based on that propaganda, that I, as a CEO, do not determine your pay. We have compensation consultants, professionals, human resources professionals that look at your job, take a broad market-based approach, and look at what other people are paying for that job, and then your specific manager decides, based on some sort of a bell curve distribution, where you're going to fit into that. And all of a sudden, I started to see these things like Daniel Kahneman and Angus Deaton, who won a Nobel Prize for a 2010 Princeton study, showing that your well-being improves as you make more money until you reach a certain point, their point that they found was $75,000 a year, and then extra money maybe makes you think that you're more successful, but your well-being does not, at its core, improve. I also uh, saw the other end of the spectrum because here I was a multimillionaire uh, making a million dollars a year in my 20s. And I was understanding that the kind of fulfillment that I got from going out there, helping small businesses, fighting the type of monopolies that they have to face just to accept a credit card, they get raked over the coals. And so I was trying to build an alternative and that was where I got my fulfillment and then doing that with a team of people, because the first thousand people, the first thousand customers we had at Gravity, small businesses all over the United States that want to get a better deal accepting credit cards, they had my cell phone number. We were on a first name basis, but of course, at a certain point, that's not sustainable. Today, we have twenty thousand small business customers, and what I found was people like Haley and people like Valerie, who doesn't work at Gravity, but those like her that do work at Gravity, they were the ones actually building the value 
And yet I was the one capturing it. And we had all these systems and structures that allowed me to say that was a righteous thing for me to do, to capture all that value. And I hit that point and I realized I actually wasn't doing myself any favors at a human level. And I was hurting the health and well-being of the people that were building the company that was fulfilling my dream to help small businesses. And so you had sort of a Jerry Maguire moment. You, we showed that the clip just a second ago where you're standing in front of your workforce. You tell them, we're going to raise your money uh, at, in increments eventually to $70,000 a year, which you have done by now. We're into year five. And I'm going to ask you in a, in a couple of minutes how it's going. But at the moment, it made people crazy. It, 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 some people thought it was the best thing ever. Some uh, in business thought you were nuts. Some people called you a socialist. What was that period like when you thought, hey, I'm doing a good thing here, and suddenly it's I'm the center of the, the business universe? I was so nervous for that moment because the hike with Valerie where I committed to her that I was going to pay all my employees a $70,000 living wage there was a few weeks that went by and I kept thinking, Dan, you just gotta forget this idea because your life is going so great. You're on one of the best trajectories you could imagine and this might really set you back and frankly, you might never recover uh, from it and you might be endangering the very people's opportunities that you're trying to help. So I was so nervous, but I knew I had to make the decision. I knew I had to take the risk. I knew it would ultimately be worth it but I was still so nervous. And so all of my nerves all kind of got released in that moment. And I myself felt a little bit outside of my body. So it wasn't just other people in that moment feeling that way. And then, you know, the things that ensued afterwards in terms of the public reaction, that in hindsight kind of paled in comparison to how it affected us and me right then and there. And, uh, you know, the relief came when people started screaming, as you showed. I haven't seen that clip in a long time. <laughs> and then, of course, I had a stream of individuals coming up to me and telling me how they were going to be able to immediately change their life based on this fairly obvious decision that I think I get way too much credit for, because I think this is just a normal human way of doing business. Yeah, it, it is a remarkable story, and, and I think the second half of it is, how did it work out? We're going to take a short break. When we come back, how did it all work out? And is this an approach to business and employee pay that would work for your company or other big companies? We're going to explore that in just a moment. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And we're back with Dan Price, who's the founder and CEO of Gravity Payments. He has a new book. Uh, it is called Worth It, How a Million Dollar Pay Cut and a $70,000 Minimum Wage Revealed a Better Way of Doing Business. There's the book, Dan. So we were talking about, is this something that could work for everyone? But first, 
Did it work for you? Is this something that that worked out? Well, initially it was really difficult because Rush Limbaugh came out and called me a socialist and the New York Times did a long piece about how some people weren't happy that we had some customers that left. And so the whole world, uh, in fact, at 1.3 million people on Facebook, according to what they told me, was saying it wouldn't work and was kind of, you know, either stacked against us or making fun of us. But five and a half years later, I have to say it's been a smashing success. And I'll give you some specific proof points. But keep in mind, behind each of these proof points are multiple human beings whose lives have been changed by our way of doing business. So we went from having zero to two babies born amongst our staff per year to in the five and a half years since, we've had 55 babies born, so 10X. (laughs) We saw people between double and triple their savings for retirement. 70% of the company was able to pay down debt. And we also had a rocket boom about 10% spike, or excuse me, 10X spike, 10 times the number of people becoming first-time homeowners in a place like Seattle where, like many places, people are in danger of being priced out of the market. So Mm -hmm. it was completely uh, successful from our standpoint. And if anybody wants to pick on me and say, yeah, what about the business numbers? Well, we've tripled in size as a company in those five and a half years. So it's hard to argue with that success as well. And did you triple in size because you took in more investment? As some people might say, oh, well, it's easy to triple in size if you do X, Y, and Z. Or did you triple in size because you became more productive? Completely more productive. We have not taken a dollar of outside investment uh, throughout that time. And we have just, you know, kind of bonded together, come together. And our mission is really what motivates us. A lot of people think about 70K in terms of motivation. I think that gets us wrong. What motivates us is small businesses are paying way too much just to accept a credit card. If they want to get service on that, they kind of get the runaround. If they need the latest apps and technology, they have to go to a company that wants to charge them through the roof like a big monopoly. And so fighting against that system and helping your everyday Main Street small business, that provides us with all the motivation to be productive. But the $70,000 minimum wage gives people the ability to invest in themselves, and it lets them know they're a valuable member of the company. And for example, we have had our turnover amongst our staff be cut in half since we instituted this policy. Wow. And that makes sense. And it's interesting, and I think it says so much, that the first success sort of bullet points that you go to are not, we increased our profit by this much or productivity by this much. You're talking about some very human factors uh, of, of how you feel about your company, about how the people who work in your company feel about themselves. And it's interesting that that this comes at a time when people are starting to have this conversation. Last year, the Business Roundtable, you probably know 192 large company CEOs, said we have to abandon this idea of shareholder value above all else. That may be true, but I suspect a lot of CEOs, business managers think, okay, I want to do this, but I am scared. As you said, at the beginning when you started this process. I don't want to kill my business. So are there things that that you must do to make sure that doesn't happen if you want to go down this path? Well, as you say, you know, five and a half years later, we're still talking about this because so few companies have followed and the big the biggest, most powerful companies have been the ones that have done the worst 
job. In fact, they've been paying out record bonuses to CEOs and executives and giving all of their savings for buybacks. And then anytime there's a problem or even when there isn't, they're turning to layoffs and putting all the losses on the backs of their employees. And so it's a major problem. And there's an orthodoxy in the business world where you just have to do things this way. And we've proven that that's not true. And yet those companies still haven't followed. So we really need some type of an uprising. And my hope that this doesn't just catch up on the individual level and not just at the company level where they do it by choice, but I think we need to make systemic reforms. We need to have right now in the pandemic, a thousand dollar check go to every American making less than $100,000 a year every two weeks. And if we do these types of things, we as Americans will use those resources in the right way. I've proven that, we've proven that at Gravity, and then we can have a path forward where we start to undo all that damage that you're talking about. Doesn't it take a CEO and a founder like you though, who says, look, I don't need to make a million dollars this year if I can make my company and my employees better and feel better and live their best possible lives uh, within our company. It's going to be hard to convince a lot of these CEOs who went to Wharton and went to the business school model and think, you know, that's not what my job is. And they don't have a problem accepting obscene amounts of money relative to what their lower paid employees are making. How do you convince them to do this? Well, I do have a small cadre of CEOs and founders and owners that I've worked with that have put simple, similar policies into place. And if anyone's interested in working with me on that or reading my book, I give a blueprint of how to do that. And I'm even willing to volunteer my time as much as I can to talk to those people. But the reality is the system incentivizes the exact opposite of this type of behavior. It incentivizes the behavior of squeezing everybody you can, not saving for a rainy day, and then accepting a big government bailout or doing something like that that allows you even more opportunity to consolidate wealth and power on the backs of your employees, regular people, and especially small businesses. That takes away competition and the cycle goes round and round. And so the incentives to do things the opposite of how I'm doing them are so overwhelming that in spite of overwhelming proof that we've provided that this is actually the best way of doing business in every way you could imagine, the incentives to do it the other way are so strong that people aren't following suit. You talked about your blueprint in one minute or less. Give me the broad outlines of that blueprint so that someone at home who's running a business thinks, okay, I wanna go down this road, what do I do? Well, first of all, part of the blueprint, it's very simple. I get a lot of credit, but I'm doing something that any first grader would know to do. And it's only the orthodoxy of business type propaganda that takes us in the wrong direction. But you need to have a mission that has integrity. We care about small businesses, so we'll do that. Secondly, you have to invest in your team and support their growth. And you can't have all these huge examples where you're basically countering your stated mission, your stated goal. You have to have integrity in that so that the employees can see that you really mean it. And then when it's time for them to buckle down, we lost 55% of our income in the recession and our employees said, we'll give up pay cuts. We'll do everything we can to save our mission, to save our company. And so when you create that kind of structure, then employees show what great people they are. The problem is the opposite of that is 
once you do things that take away your integrity that show it was all marketing spin, the employees sniff that out and then the whole system breaks down. All right, uh, we're gonna take uh, one more quick break. When we come back, we're gonna find out where Gravity Payments is going next. And again, more on this blueprint on how you can do this, uh, do what Dan Price did if you want. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. We're back with Dan Price of Gravity Payments. Dan, okay, you've, you've convinced me I have a small to medium-sized company. I want to try this uh, with, with my employees and, and raise their salaries maybe to $70,000 a year if I can afford it. What are the downsides for me doing this? Well, I think for you as a company doing it, the, the downsides are very little other than you're kind of bucking the system. And they will be different for everybody. But I'll just say the downsides that we've experienced at Gravity, it's really two things. Number one, our job at Gravity is to make sure small businesses have all the payments apps they need, have everything they need to overcome the pandemic, to be able to compete with the big businesses. And we're not really known for that. We feel like we should be. Instead, we're known for employee practices and it makes it harder for people to figure out what we can do. I'll give you some examples. Coffee shops that are using our app are not down at all during the pandemic in terms of their revenue and coffee shops that aren't are down 50% across the board because we give them an app where they can order ahead. With veterinary uh, service providers, people that take care of your dogs and cats, we created an app where basically they can move the front desk into your car, you can pay and figure out the invoice and then they can bring you the animal and keep you safe from getting COVID-19. We have so many of these solutions that we've created and we continue to innovate on, but people don't really talk about us in that way. Secondly, you know, a, a CEO in our industry kind of cornered me um, not too long ago, maybe about a year ago and said, Dan, if you reverse these decisions, you can be a billionaire in your 30s. And he said, Dan, with your heart as a billionaire in your 30s, you will do more good as a billionaire than you will spreading the wealth out to all your 20,000 small business customers and to all your 200 plus employees. And it was, I had to think about it for a second because I was like, wow, with a billion dollars, I could do a lot of good. But I realized those are short-term fixes to a long-term problem. We need to stop consolidated wealth and power and almost thinking of people like me, like a God figure. And instead, we need to have a democratic system that empowers everybody, not only with a vote, but also financially. And so those were two sacrifices and two sacrifices that were completely worth it. How about with publicly held companies? Um, is it different? Because it seems like it's so much about satisfying the shareholders. Uh, if a CEO has his Jerry Maguire moment at a publicly held company, is he going to get slaughtered? No. And I'll point to Costco as being such a great example. Costco's been paying living wages to store clerks for decades. 
and they don't really brag about it. And I asked the CFO one time, who's a mentor of mine that I really value and cherish. I asked him, how come you all don't talk about that more? And he said, well, it's a competitive advantage. So we don't want to tip off our customers. But if you look at Costco against a direct competitor, Sam's Club, that does the opposite, that squeezes everybody, Costco outperforms Sam's Club at every turn. And in addition, Sam's Club workers have to rely on food stamps and other government assistance. Costco pays their workers so well that they pay a lot of taxes. So Costco is actually in a funny way subsidizing Sam's Club and they still mm. kick their butt. And so I think publicly held companies can do this. If Jeff Bezos took a third of what he's made this year at Amazon, he could pay all of his hundreds of thousands of warehouse workers a $70,000 minimum wage. Imagine what that would be like and imagine how he would go down as the best business person in history if he does it, if he does that. But he probably won't. And if he doesn't, he should go down as one of the worst business people in history. And is that because and you, you know, travel in these circles with with CEOs, is it because they're all trying to say, I'm the biggest guy, I have the most money, I have the most compensation? At a certain point, don't they realize that it's kind of absurd how much money they're making? Well, ego is a tough thing. And, you know, we all have to keep our egos in check. And the more successful we are, the more we have to keep our egos in check. But I think it's actually more of a fear thing, because I think that they're concerned that if they don't follow the business orthodoxy, they'll put themselves in harm's way. They'll have a risk there. And it's ironic because they claim to be risk takers, risk managers, capitalists, but actually they want to conform and do things the way everybody else is doing it so that they don't stick out too much. And so they need to have some courage. They need to quit being such big babies on the one hand. And on the other hand, they need to stop being such jerks that expect that somebody else doesn't matter because maybe they haven't met them or don't have to see them at work every day. And so that people understand who you are. They see you with the long hair. They see you with the guitar and the surfboard. And they think, oh, this is some dude who's, who's just sort of laissez-faire about all of it. And he's not really a true business-oriented entrepreneur who is about the, the bottom line. You've been doing this since you were a teenager. Yeah, I started my first several businesses, you know, when I was single digits years old, I started studying business. Um, my dad, it, he didn't go to college, but he's self-educated when it comes to business. And so I started studying business, you know, literally when I was seven, eight, nine years old and started working. And then I started my first business, which was a rock band when I was 12. That went until I was 16, 17. And I started my current company, Gravity Payments, or what became it when I was 17 years old, I've had to make payroll coming from rural Idaho with no backing for the last 18 years. And whether it was a recession, whether it was the worst problems, you know, 2020 might be a different story. But so far, 17 years, we've never had a year where we lost money. We've never had a year where we didn't grow. Some years it's been much harder than others. But I have been the person who had to make payroll, who had to risk it all, take student loans, take credit card debt to pay my employees when we didn't have any money. And so, you know, I think it's hard for people to put the kind of labels on me that you might put on somebody else because I come from a conservative Christian family in Idaho. I know about personal responsibility and I know about small businesses and making payroll. You took a big pay cut to make all of this happen. It's, it's said from a million dollars down to $70,000 yourself. 
Are you back in a million or does that matter? It doesn't matter. I was planning on going back to a million, but I've learned so much in the last five and a half years. And I've learned about how the system is really hurting people. So that changed my approach. Now, I had made a few million dollars that I'd saved up in my 20s. So full disclosure, it's not like I'm some holy person. I had to lend that money to the company uh, when we were faced with hard times. And so I went back to zero personally. But when the company was doing better, the company paid me that money back. So I, I have a, a good foundation. I, I understand that some of the privileges and opportunities I have are beyond what other people have. But I still say that making these types of risks is the right thing to do. And for a company out there that doesn't have those options available to them that I do, even just stating to your employees, I understand we're not paying a living wage. Let's figure out that problem together. Let's be honest about that intention. Um, and that can take us forward. So for me, the idea of going back to a million dollars a year someday, it's something that I don't have as a goal right now, to be honest. Final question. When I talk to you five years from now, where will you be and where will Gravity Payments be? Well, I think I will be shouting from the rooftop the same message that I'm giving you because I think it's going to continue to be necessary. Um, the idea that we are stripping dignity and opportunity and a foundation away from millions of Americans with our corrupt, unholy system right now. I think I need to be out there speaking about that. I think we all need to be out there speaking about it. And so I will be speaking about that. I hope that I'll still be at Gravity Payments. And I think that our team will continue to grow, hang together, and continue to further our mission of trying to help these small businesses fight against the huge behemoths by making sure they have the technology and the access to just getting paid on a credit card or any other form of payment without being raked over the coals every time. Dan, you're, uh, you're doing all sorts of things for human beings and you're being a great human being. Thanks very much, man. Thanks for having me, Frank. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure to meet you. Same here. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with Dan Price. If you'd like to see the conversation with Dan, including the reaction of his employees when he originally made that announcement that their minimum wage was going to be $70,000, go to YouTube and search for Frank Buckley Interviews Dan Price. I love reading your feedback. I see it when you tag me on social media at Frank Buckley TV on Twitter or on Instagram, or you post a comment on the Frank Buckley Facebook page. A new podcast drops every Wednesday. Our TV show airs on the weekend on KTLA. Thanks for listening this week. And until next time, I'll see you on TV.